Welcome back to Anyone's Game with KC and Andy, and I am KC. That's my brother Andy. That's me. Welcome back, everybody. So when we had the first episode two weeks ago, um, did you get any feedback at all the, uh, that people listened to it? Any family or friends or anything like that? Absolutely, yeah. Um, well, I obviously played it for my wife to get you know a feel of what she thought, which yeah. was very complimentary. Oh, good. Um, a lot of my family listened and gave me some feedback about how um, how good we sound and how fun, and and that's always great because I think I was mostly nervous about you know, never having talked into a mic before. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I, how about you? Did you get some good feedback? I, I did. I, it was um, it was cool. It's one of those things you put out there. You hope people listen. And then you just, you don't know what the feedback's going to be. You don't know how people are going to listen, if they're going to understand everything we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and one of the things uh, I got from a couple people is that we are video chatting. They asked, is it a video podcast? Because you talked about looking at your game rules for Bang, the card game. And I was like, right, no, no, no. Andy and I can see each other because we're video chatting right now. Right, right. So that we know when to talk to each other, if you, if there's something uh, something you want to raise your hand and say and interrupt. Um, yeah, we make faces at each other, we things do like that. that. Yeah. yeah. And um, I said, <laughs> no. So maybe in the future we'll do a video podcast once we have a bazillion listeners and we're influencers. Yeah, yeah and I have <laughs> yeah. to get a haircut and stuff. Yeah, too. right, totally. Yeah, yeah. and I got to put on makeup. <laughs> uh, but no, that was one thing. So no, we're not doing video. It's just audio. The uh, other thing, oh, I had a really nice text from my friend that said, uh, you guys made the games understandable and not daunting. That's... Love that. That's why we do this. It's exactly what we want to hear. That's great. Yeah, and this is what I love. is One of my favorite parts of the day because we do it daily is when we play games ah yes so this is like my second favorite part we just get to talk about games <laughs> that's right we're doing anyone's game for exactly what we're we're discussing that's right if you're just tuning in that's what we're all about is talking about games that maybe uh, have been skipped over in the past that uh yep. been on your shelf for a while you haven't gotten down or you just haven't gotten to um in the first episode, my uh, brother uh, kind of gushed on me a little bit about how, what a fun gamer I was. So I have to um, to mention a couple things about Casey that everybody might not know. And this kind of goes back to the days where we were playing golf together back in our 20s. And uh, I, you know, really, I'm just going to start off by saying um, um, Casey is one of the best people to play games with, whether you're his brother like me or his family or friends. Um Casey has a really great attitude about playing games. Um, it, again, it goes back to when we were playing golf together back in our 20s where I would overthink everything and get in my head and try to make everything perfect and really stress and worry about if I was doing it right. And Casey would just walk up to the team and go, well, I'm just going to hit the ball and whack. It would go straight and, you know, I'd be like, how are you doing that? And he's like, just dude, just calm down. So, um, uh, you know, although he's my younger brother, I learn a lot from uh, you, Case, because you have such a great even temperament. I mean, you you lose games with great composure and you win games with great composure. Oh, um, thanks, man. Like, no matter what happens, you are there for the experience and you make it fun. Sometimes I can get a little in my head and get all upset and uptight. And uh, I have to be reminded that we're playing a game and it's the game is supposed to be fun. Um, and so I got to thank you for that. You're like one of the the best. You like even me out. Whenever we play games, you come away with it with such a great attitude. Um, whereas sometimes I can be a little too stressy about it. So, um, oh well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And I do lose more than I win, and maybe that's why. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm really good at losing, is what you're saying. So thanks, buddy. Appreciate All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of the best parts about playing games with you is just like the the feeling I get back from you of like this is supposed to be fun, so let's relax and and do it. So yeah. 
there you go. It's a little bit about you, uh, uh, my awesome brother. Yeah. Aw, thanks, awesome brother. I appreciate that, dude. All right. So on today's show, we've got, of course, our segment, Not So New. We've got games I played with my son and or daughter. Uh, we also have the Wheel of Magical Goodness coming up. We have a giveaway today. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> but it's interesting with our Not So New coming up, um, we actually chose games in a theme. That's right. We inadvertently made a theme to our show. Explorers. That's right. Yeah, the games that we're talking about. So... Um, think Indiana Jones music, although we can't pay John Williams because that would be way too much money, but we can sing it. <laughs> no, let's not. Let's get into it. It's not so new. So, Andrew, what game do you have? All right. My not so new game um, is a game called Incan Gold. And Ink and Gold is a game from Eagle Griffin Games. It was also published under the name Diamant, which is French for diamond. Fancy. From Yellow Games. Yes, very fancy. Um, now, this is a game for three to eight players, ages eight and up. And, uh, you know, it's the great thing about this game, Ink and Gold, is even with eight players, the game only lasts between 15 to 30 minutes. Wow. It's really That's a, cool. Yeah, it really is. Um, now... Uh, Ink and Gold is a push-your-luck game. And a push-your-luck oh. game that... Oh. What's that? That's the, what, You set off the GND. Uh, we hooked up the GND already. I, yeah. I forgot about that. Well, it's working. That's the Gamer Nerd Detector. Whenever we use a uh, phrase that is very, very hobby gamer nerds, that is going to go off. You said push-your-luck game. That's right. That is a gamer nerd term. So push your luck game real quick is a game where you are uh, met with a choice in the game where you either keep what you have and play it safe or you press your luck or push your luck and maybe fail and lose everything you have or get even more and and you risk that reward every single time that you push your luck so that's a push your luck game this is a game and I, probably the best example of a push your luck game that anyone would know would be blackjack mm -hmm. uh, blackjack is a game where you have cards that's information that you know so let's say you have an ace and a six so you have 16 that'd be 17 or is that 17 yeah. sorry you have 17 <laughs> good that's why it's that's not how much good i play blackjack, blackjack. <laughs> So you have two cards, an ace and a six, that's 17. Do you hit that 17 to hope to get 21? Or do you, you know, stand pat with your 17 and hope that everybody else busts? That's a push-your-luck game in essence right there. So Ink and Gold is that kind of game. You do it every single turn. But first, before we, um, we kind of get into gameplay, I'm going to talk a little bit about the atmosphere of Ink and Gold. So cue the cool, uh, spooky, adventure, jungle music, I think. So you and your fellow adventurers explore the ruins of an ancient Incan temple, looking for turquoise, obsidian, and gold. At every turn, you must decide whether to play it safe by returning to camp with the treasure you've gathered so far, or be a truly intrepid adventurer and keep on exploring. Going farther into the ruins means risking your treasure should you fall victim to many hazards, giant spiders, wandering mummies, and venomous snakes. What is your threshold for danger? How much treasure is enough for you? Find out by exploring Ink and Gold. Excellent. That was my best radio voice. Is that all right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. In Ink and Gold, you are playing a game that lasts five rounds, and that's actually five levels to an Incan temple that you get to explore. Now, in the setup, each player receives one 
little pop-up tent. It's actually a three-dimensional cardboard tent that folds up and allows you to store your treasure that you've gathered from the temple. And then also each player receives two player cards, a camp card and a torch card. And, And those are the same for everybody. Everybody receives those same two cards. There's also a deck called the quest deck filled with quest cards. Half of the deck show rooms that have gems in them um, or passageways. And they can have a number from 1 to 17. So you could find one measly gem or you could uh, cash in and get 17 if you turn over that card. But the other half of the deck shows hazards. Hazards like poisonous snakes and spiders and a cave-in, things like that. So you win the game, obviously, by having most treasure at the end of the game. If you are the most successful adventurer and carry the most treasure out of the Incan Temple, you win. On your turn, you very simply choose to either play the torch card and explore further into the temple or play your camp card and leave the temple with whatever spoils you've, you've got so far. After you decide and everybody uh, simultaneously turns over their choice, the top card of the quest deck is revealed. And as I said, either it's a passageway filled with gems, at which point the number on the card is evenly divided among the number of players. So, for example, if there's five players and you turn over a card that says 15 on it, every player gets three gems. Or, if it's a scary hazard, nothing really happens the first time a scary hazard is turned over. Again, each player chooses to continue or to go back to camp with whatever they have. Ah, push your luck. Yeah, exactly. And the next card is turned over. Now, this continues around until two things happen. Either all the adventurers have left the temple with all of the gems they have found, or a second hazard is turned off that matches a previous hazard that's been revealed. So if you see a second spider or a second cave-in card while you're exploring this level of the temple, everyone drops all their gems and runs screaming from the temple back to the camp, (laughs) hanging their heads in shame because they were frightened out of this scary temple. So that's the part where you've pushed your luck too far and you lose all of the gems that you've collected so far. After that round is over, a new round begins. Uh, The quest deck is shuffled. Everybody gets prepared to go into the temple on the first turn again and then explore. Um, And you play that game for five rounds until uh, the fifth round ends. Everyone lifts their tents off of the table and you see how many gems everybody has stored in their tents from the Incan temple. Person with the most points wins. That's awesome. And you said it could play up to eight people. That's right. So the more people, you're going to be confused on how many gems everybody has in their tents. Oh, they left early. I remember they got gems, but they stuck and got eaten by the spiders. Um, So you're not really sure how far to push your luck. I love this idea. Yeah, that's right. Because the score, because your score is actually represented by the gems you have and they're hidden in your tent. So you don't know (laughs) other people's scores. You might go, oh, gosh, you know, I I should probably go further because I remember Casey left the temple and he had five gems with him. I know he has at least that. I need at least like eight or nine to probably beat him in this game. So there is that moment of tension uh, in the game where you're not exactly sure how well you're doing compared to the other players. That's right. Oh, and I also love the idea that that the gems are split because if all five or seven players are in there, everybody's going to get less. But if you stay longer and people aren't in there, you're going to split maybe a 15 with one other person, and then you're just banking. That is exactly right. And that's cool. the reward for staying and pushing your luck and staying in the, te- the temple. Right. Now, there are a couple of other things that have to do with leaving the temple, which actually might not be too bad of an idea to chicken out and run back to your camp. The first is when a card is turned over and say 
say there's 17 on the card and there's mm -hmm. five players, well, that doesn't divide evenly into five. So each player gets three gems and the remaining two, 17 minus 15 is two, go on the card itself and there's gems sitting on the passageway card. That means if you leave the temple, you divide all of the gems that are still sitting on the cards with the other players who left the temple that turn. So if you decide to chicken out and leave and there are five gems sitting on the passageways to get out, you get all those five of those gems. So it's kind of like a little bonus for leaving and playing it safe if there are gems sitting on the cards. That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. And then one other small rule, um, and this is uh, these are called artifacts, and it's another card that is added to the game each round. So one additional card is added to the quest deck each round. Now an artifact, when it comes out, doesn't really do anything. Um, it just kind of sits there. You don't get any gems for it or anything. But if you are the only player to leave the temple and go back to camp on a turn, you get to collect any artifact that's in the path on the way out. Hmm, cool. um, so it's worth five points at the end of the game if you have an artifact. Um, the problem there is once an artifact comes out, everybody's like, ooh, I want to get that. And, you know, if multiple people leave on the same turn, um, nobody gets it. It's kind of like, you know, you, you're fighting over it in the passageway and you're like, ah, forget it. And you run back to camp and you leave it right. sitting in the hollow. Right. So that's an interesting aspect of the game that can expand kind of how the points work, but also makes it really interesting in the decision making process for, for running out of the temple. Does everybody flip over their card at the same time? Like, where I'm exploring and, oh, you went back to camp, so you flip it over at the same time. That's right. Everybody kind of hides their card and simultaneously reveals it. That's right. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. It's a, it's a again, so the game really literally lasts about uh, 10 to 20 minutes at the most. Um, and, you know, each turn is very easy. You just decide whether to keep going or to stop. And, and that's the interesting dynamic of the game is um, a lot of uh, different personalities can come out <laughs> from whether or not you're going to, people are foolhardy and keep pushing and keep pushing to try to get as many gems as possible. Or if you're just going to play it safe, it might be fine. Like, you know, you say, I got five gems. I'm good with that. I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. And you go back to camp and, and you're playing it safe. I'm always the push in your luck guy. I'm the one that's, I'm going, I'm going. Spiders. <laughs> yep. That does Spiders. sound like you. Yeah. Oh, oh well. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> so ink and gold. Um, again, uh, if you want to find ink and gold, you can check your friendly local game store, which is a game store in your area that carries these kind of games. Also check their uh, website. They probably have a, an e-store on their website. Um, also uh, go straight to the manufacturer. That's Eagle Griffin Games. Uh, they have it. I, I checked um, this morning and they have it for sale on their website. And then you can just find it. Uh, I'm sure if you just type it into Google uh, and you'll, you can find it at any other um, e-commerce site. And about how much is it? How, much, how expensive is yeah, it? Yeah, it's about between $30, $35. That's pretty good, though, because it looks like a really nice game. I'm looking at the pictures right now. Yeah, yeah it comes with all these nice little plastic gems. It's it's uh, all the all the images in the deck. The the cards are high quality, and um, and you get those three dimensional tents that really kind of make it a nice little experience because everybody's sitting around the table with these little tents in front of them. So. Excellent, <laughs> good game choice on our explorers. Not so new. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Case. Yep, Ink and Gold. Play it now. And my Explorer game and not so new is a game that came out in 1999. Lost Cities. It's a card game for two players made by the company Cosmos, K-O-S-M-O-S. -S. It takes about 30 minutes to play, and on the box it says it's for 10 and up. I'd say 8 and up. This is Lost Cities. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, we aren't supposed to sing that. <laughs> no, you can't, we can't use that music. Sorry. <laughs> Lost Cities. Lost Cities. 
For the daring and adventurous, there are many lost cities to find and explore. The search can take you to the Himalayas, the Brazilian rainforest, the ever-shifting sands of the desert, ancient volcanoes, and to Neptune's realm. The player who finds the right balance will have successful expeditions and win the game! Okay, so in Lost Cities, the object of the game is to lay down and score as many points as possible. There are five suits, red, yellow, green, blue, and white. And each suit represents an expedition. Each suit in the deck has the numbers 2 through 10, and some special handshake cards or wager cards that will give you a bonus to your score. More on that in a minute. But here's how to play. You simply lay a card and draw a card. You can lay a card in front of you to start a new column in one of the colored suits, starting that expedition, or you can extend that column, and you have to lay the cards in ascending order. Now, if you cannot play a card to a column, or you don't want to, you can discard that card instead face up on the game board, and each color has its own discard pile. Now, once you play or discard a card, then you draw a card from the deck or from one of those discard piles. Play goes back and forth until the last card is drawn from the deck. Then the hand ends, points are counted, then you reshuffle, and you start another round. Whoever has the most points after three rounds, that person's the winner and the best archaeologist. Now, you don't have to play every color. You may only start two or three columns of those expeditions. Now, the scoring is interesting because if you do start laying cards in a suit, you're immediately going to be 20 points in the hole. Because starting an expedition is a risk, so you'll have to lay down cards with numbers that add up to more than 20 to score positive points. Now remember I mentioned the handshake wager cards? This is cool. If you lay one of those cards before you start laying the numbers in a suit in that color, it will double your score for that column. If you lay two wager cards, it triples it, and you lay three wager cards, it will quadruple the positive score for that expedition. Now, the strategy with Lost Cities is so interesting because you know all the cards in the deck. There are only two through ten in every color. Sometimes you have to play a card. That, that, I find that when you're holding your hand and you're like, well, I don't want to discard a, an eight yellow. I don't have any other yellows, but Andy's going to take it. Um, so you may start an expedition yeah. hoping you get <laughs> cards. That never ends well. Never ends well. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. All I had was a two and a three. We'll see. That's like akin to like, I think I'll go off in the jungle. I'm sure I'll find a canteen somewhere or food. I'll right. be, I don't I'll have be any fine. Water. I'll be fine. It's very, very simple. It's one of my favorite things, and, and Andy, you and I talk about this all the time. Some of the best games are the simple ones to learn, difficult to master. That's right. And I definitely have had problems mastering this when playing with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful game. The cards are, are really big. They're not like regular playing size cards. And the art is excellent. Uh, you can get it at Thamesandcosmos.com. That's T-H-A-M-E-S and Cosmos with a K dot com or your friendly local game store or just find it online. It's a great two player game that anyone can play. That's a great choice, Case. That is a great choice. Well, I had to do it because you picked an explorer game and <laughs> I had to play an explorer game. All right. Yeah. Now let's get to this part of the uh, the show. And I, I'm excited about this one because we're going to have some special guests on the show today. That's right. So what segment is next? All right. The next segment uh, on our show, Anyone's Game with Casey and Andy, is games that I played with my son or daughter. Well, Andy, I'll go first. This is a game that my oldest son, Patrick, got for my wife, Jennifer, for Christmas. And so Jen and Patrick and my youngest son, Jackson, and I played it a few times the day after Christmas. It's Yokai. 
Y-O-K-A-I, which in Japanese means strange apparition or spirits. It's made by the company Bankiz Editions. That's B-A-N-K-I-I-I-Z. Uh, it's for two to four players. It lasts about 15 to 35 minutes, depending on how long you strategize. And it's for ages 10 and up. Let me tell you a little bit about Yokai. This is a game where you are working together, and that's why it makes it such a great family game. And it's beautiful. So the yokai, there's four of them. They're four different colors uh, of these square cards. I think they're like three by three. Um, so these square cards, there are there's red, purple, green, and blue. The red is kitsune. The purple is dokurukubi. Uh, no, dokurukubi. My Japanese is terrible. Dokurukubi. <laughs> Ah, that was good. One. And then Kappa is the green one. Oni is blue. You shuffle them. You put them in a four by four grid in the middle of the table face down. The whole idea of the game is to get them to their families. Meaning we're going to move the cards around, put the reds all together, put the blues all together, the purples all together, and the greens all together next to each other. Hopefully. There's another deck of cards that you lay down too. You shuffle, and these are hint cards. On the hint cards, there's a one color, so you'll flip it over. It may be blue. It may be red. There's a hint card that is two colors. There's a hint card that are three colors. And this is how you play the game. It's excellent. You, on your turn, you look at two cards. You peek at them. You put them back. You move one of those cards anywhere else around the grid, because remember, you want to start matching them up with the reds next to the reds and the blues next to the blue. You move one of those cards, and then you reveal one of those hint cards. If there's already a hint card revealed, you can place one of those hint cards. For instance, let's say I peeked at two cards. I see one is blue, one is red. I remember from earlier that there's a blue one down at the bottom. So I move that blue one down next to that other blue one that I know is blue because I looked at it before. Then I see one of the hint cards is blue. I take that and I put it on that card. So once a hint card is placed on one of those cards, you can't move that card or look at that card ever again. We go around the table doing this. Peek at the cards, move a card, reveal a hint card, place a hint card. You do this until... One player decides not to take their turn. And they say, the yokai are appeased. <laughs> Meaning, you think that all of the families are next to each other. That's when the game stops. Then you flip over all the cards. And if they are all together in their little pockets of families, you win the game. If they're not, you lose the game. And then you score, trying to get the most points. And that depends on how quickly you did it and some other things. To talk a little bit more about the game and why it's awesome, I have my special guest. This is my son, Jackson. So Jackson, what did you think of Yokai? Why do you like it? I love the simplicity of the game. Yeah, how complicated it can get because of the point system and because of the players you play with. And we played it more than once. Um, what made you want to play it again and again? Well, there's different types to the game because there's a simpler version of it and then it gets advanced the more you play it. And I like the point system because the next time you want to do better, each time you want to be better than the last time you played it. So why do you think, since we have this on this podcast, which is called Anyone's Game, why do you think anyone could play this game? Well, it's a game for anybody's age difference at all, because it's all about matching colors to colors, basically. So, I mean, 
anybody from four to 90 could play that game. Well, in, in that case, then what what's difficult about it? Well, a simpler mind person could be playing it in a different way as much as a you know, a board game nerd could be playing it. There's strategy behind it. A more complicated player could play it in a different way as an easier player. So is this a game that you'd want to play again? I mean, we've played it, what, two or three times? Would you want to play it again? I'd love to play it again because there's so many different advanced versions of it as well. It's different every time. Ah, good point. Thank you, Jax. I appreciate my son being on the show. So like Jackson said, it's really cool. There are rules in the end of the rule book that add to the difficulty and you could add different rules to it. And so it is very replayable like that. And what's cool with this being a co-op game. Oh, 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 you did it this time. Dang it, I did. A co-op or a cooperative board game. That's right, a cooperative board game. Cooperative is just what it sounds like. Uh, it is a game that you are all working together to try to achieve the goal. You either all win or you all lose. You're all trying to play the game together. There's not going to be one winner there's going to be a group of winners, the whole group. That's cooperative. Sorry, I got to disconnect that GND. No, don't disconnect <laughs> it. It's good. It's good that people know this because back growing up, whenever we were playing games, we were always competing against each other. I don't remember playing a game that was cooperative uh, when I was growing up. That's kind of a relatively new thing. Ah, that's very true. And that's the game I played with my son or daughter, but in this case, my two sons and my wife. Yokai, I think you'd really love it. Find it at your local game store. It's and also in this beautiful packaging. The square cards that I mentioned are in this really cute little square tin with uh, the faces of the the spirits on the front. Yokai, Y O K A I, a spirited memory game. Amazing. That sounds great. It looks really great too. Well, the game that I'm going to talk about that I played with my son and or daughter, in this case, I played with both. And it's a game we've been playing for quite a long time. This game is called Zombie Kids Evolution. Zombie Kids Evolution is by Hachette Games, and uh, it's a game for two to four players, ages seven and up. And a game length is anywhere between five and 15 minutes. Very quick. Wow. Um, and it's also, as um, Casey uh, mentioned with his game, a cooperative game where all of us will either win together or we'll lose together. Now, the players must stop their middle school by being overrun by school employees that have been turned into zombies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, when you set up the game, you set up the board in the middle of the table, and it's a like a, a picture of the school rooms. The center room is the teacher lounge, and then you have classrooms that surround it. There's four rooms around it, each with a different color. So there's five total school rooms. Then there are five courtyards, and zombies are trying to stream in those courtyard gates to come into the school. And your goal, how to win, is to lock those four gates, and if you lock all four gates to those courtyards, you win the game. Now, on your turn, it's very easy. Each person has a character illustrated by a little standee and a little character card that's in front of them. On your turn, you roll the die. And a die has five sides that have a color that match the school room on the board. When you roll that die, if your color comes up, you add a zombie to that colored room. So if I roll a yellow, I add a zombie to the yellow room. There's also a blank side on the die. And if you roll that, yay, good news. No zombies come into the school and you get kind of a pass that turn. Now, after each person rolls the die, when you roll the die, you add that zombie to that room. Then you move your character one space and you can chase up to two zombies away in the room that you move to. You have to be in a room, though, to chase them away. They go outside the school and kind of enter this line to try to get back into the school to try to invade the school again. 
So um, that's basically it. You go around each player in turn, rolls the die, adds a zombie, moves their character, and tries to eliminate zombies. Now, this game is called Zombie Kids Evolution for a reason. And I think rather than me talk too much about it, I'm going to let my special guests talk about it right now. All right. I am here with my son, Lorenzo, and my daughter, Valentina. Welcome to Anyone's Game with Casey and Andy, guys. Hi. Hi. So we're here to talk about a game that we've been playing a lot of called Zombie Kids. Now, Zombie Kids is a cooperative game, and uh, that's pretty cool, right, guys? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. fun. Yeah, what, what do you think is cool about it being a cooperative game, Lorenzo? Well, I like how you can trade ideas and cooperate and team up and stuff when... Whenever you're like in a situation, you can be like, okay, so you do this and you do this and we'll get out together. Yeah. As opposed to just like, I'll be first. Da 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 da. Yeah, less competitive. What about you, Valentina? Well, I think that it's very nice to not be so competitive against each other and to help each other and when you lock up the gates like you high five and like when if you're if you have your clone then you can high five yourself i think it's really fun yeah that's cool i mean in some games that are competitive sometimes if you lose it doesn't feel so great to lose sometimes but in a cooperative game you might all lose together or win together so that's great so i want to ask you a couple questions about the game and we'll start with a question for both of you um my first question is uh what is your favorite part of the game lorenzo what's your favorite part of uh, zombie kids well i like the i like the fact that there are different rooms and different colors and this and there are super zombies and if they're in their room color, they can't be defeated, and you have to, like, team up and see if you can, like, get them out into the open or blast them from afar or something like that. Yeah, if they start piling up in those rooms, it gets pretty dangerous and the intensity increases, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Valentina, what's what's your favorite part of the game? I like it when I get to use my power and when... Other people sometimes use their power and they kind of save me or save everyone else because I don't have that power and I only have one power, but I also like to help other people by doing my own power. That's right. So uh, the game doesn't start with us having powers. Later on the game, if you, uh, as the game progresses, you get to unlock special powers and those are really cool. Yeah. Um, so Lorenzo, question for you is uh, what makes you want to play this game again? I mean, what's cool about it that makes you want to open that box up and start uh, getting zombies again? Well, there's always a goal, you know? I mean, when there are these stickers that you put on the back of the rule book every time you play a game, and if you get enough stickers and it reaches a checkpoint, you get to open an envelope, and as Dad said, you get, like, special powers, or the zombies get special powers, or you get a clone or something like that. And if you get enough, you can, like, if you do special things, you can, like, unlock extra things. That's right. It's it's kind of like um, uh, unlocking achievements in a video game. If you get to a certain level, you get to unlock things that change the game forever. That's why we call it a, a, an evolving game. In fact, it's called Zombie Kids Evolution for that reason. Last question for you two, and this is the most important one because this podcast is called Anyone's Game. Valentina, can you tell me why you think anyone can play Zombie Kids? Well, I think that it's very simple. You just roll a die, move, get rid of zombies. Simple. 
That's right. The beginning rules have you doing nothing but rolling the die, adding zombies, moving your character, and getting rid of them. And if you get rid of all of them, you win, right? Yep. But if you don't, you lose. Yeah. yeah. Lorenzo, what do you think? I think anyone can play it because it starts out easy, but it gets harder and harder as the game like progresses and you get through the levels. Ah, that's a great answer. Yeah, so the rules aren't really complicated at first, but they do get more complicated as the game progresses. Yeah. All right. So thanks, you guys, so much for joining us on Anyone's Game with Casey and Andy. That was really fun. Um, and I think, you know what? We might uh, plan on having you guys on here again sometime soon. You think that'd be cool? Yeah. That would be awesome. All right. So, Lorenzo, thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem. It was fun. And you too, Valentina. Yeah, it was really awesome. Cool. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for Lorenzo and Valentina, my special guests. Um, again, can't um, stress how uh, innovative this game is. Um, again, the evolution is that there are goals and quests in the rule book, as my son said. And every time you play, you add a sticker to the back of that book. And when you reach a certain um, icon, you open an envelope and it adds more difficulty, more challenge to the game. Like... Uh, player powers, zombies become super zombies, all kinds of different cool things that can happen. And you actually take stickers and stick sticker them in the rule book, which provide new quests for you to achieve. Um, just an amazing experience. Uh, so simple to play and it has that ability of like unlocking achievements and uh, reaching a goal again as Lorenzo said there, there's goals in there that make you so invested in the game personally we are on envelope uh, 11 and one more game wow. and we get to open envelope 12 we don't know what's in there because they're sealed and once we get to that icon we're going to open envelope 12 one more envelope 13 and we'll have created this own our own unique version of of Zombie Kids Evolution that we've been playing for about two years now. <laughs> so I love that how you said it's a little bit like a video game. That's right. Like you're getting more powerful. I'm looking at it and the artwork is so cool. I mean, the characters, they're sort of these, they, they look like cartoon characters, like almost CGI cartoon, yeah. really funny. And the mm -hmm. game looks, I mean, it just looks so clever and fun. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one of the cool things about it is in the back of the rule book, they have something called a passport. And you get achievements for playing the game with a new person. You get achievements for naming your characters, which I think my my character's name is Rebecca. She's like this cowgirl with a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. That's who I'm looking yeah. at. She looks awesome. Very charming. Um, all of the kids have named their characters. Um, they've named the zombies. Like, I think the the uh, janitor in the game is actually his name is Elvis. That, that was... Yeah. So... Um, yep, the zombie janitor named Elvis. Uh, where else can you find that? So, again, quite enjoyable. You can find it uh, in your local game store, uh, Hachette Board Games, um, their website. How do you spell Hachette? So, uh, yeah, that's a pretty major company and, and relatively new uh, in the industry, too. H-A-C-H-E-T-T-E. Uh, -E -E. Really, it's a company that's based in Canada um, and uh, originally in Fr uh, French. So HachetteBoardGames.com is, is the website you can find that for sale. And it's around $20, $25. Yeah, I was going to say it's $25. That's a great... You've been playing this game for two years for $25. Yeah, and that's one of the, the charming things about um, these uh, games that are, have evolved is you're in it for a certain amount of time and a certain number of gameplays, whereas some games you might you play and come back to if you like to, but this really pushes you forward, and you're going to play at least 
well, I don't know how many games we played because when you fail, you don't get any rewards, so you have to try again. Oh, so over and over again, cool. really, really, um, it's a really great experience. So is this a game that is mostly for children like yours that are 11 and 9, or is this something that I could play with my kids? That's a great question, Casey. Um, really, it is geared more toward a younger player, um, but so simple that players as young as six can play. Now, if you're just playing with older children or adults, it might seem a little bit uh, juvenile, mm-hmm. um, although it's still really compelling because you got that um, evolution aspect to the game. But really, this is really a game for families to play with younger children. The simplicity of this game, the cooperative feeling, and this the feeling of gaining achievements um, really, really hooks you. So please check out Zombie Kids Evolution. That's kids with a Z, K-I-D-Z, Evolution. Just a great game anyone can play. Okay, good one. And now the moment you've all been waiting for. Yes, the wheel of magical goodness. (laughs) This wheel that I have here is our wheel to give away free games. How are we going to do this? Very simple. You look on our Instagram, you look on our Facebook, and there's going to be a post of the wheel of magical goodness giveaway. You like that post? You're entered to win. And we have a game on the wheel, right, Andy? That's right, Casey. On the Wheel of Magical Goodness this episode, we're going to spin it and everybody has a chance to win ink and gold from Eagle Griffin Games. Go into an Incan temple, grab gems, run away from poisonous spiders. Will you win or lose? Ink and gold. (laughs) That is ridiculous, and I love every second of it. Well, you get to do Wheel of Magical Goodness. Good point. Good point. So what's in the next episode, Andy? Well, we're obviously going to have two more games that are not so new. So make sure you check out our Facebook and Insta account uh, for some hints at what those might be on our next episode. We're going to have our Vintage View games. This is maybe a game that you knew from your childhood, but it's definitely a game that Andy and I grew up with that uh, turned us into the big gamer nerds that we are. That's right. And also... We're going to have a very special guest interview with Jeff Engelstein in the gaming industry, and he's going to tell us a little bit about games that he plays that he knows anyone can play, and maybe some games from his childhood that turned him into the gamer he is. Can't wait. We will see you next time on Anyone's Anyone's Game Game with Casey and Andy. Andy.